Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sistren, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to recall at any time these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths, myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Jesus, we thank you for your word. I thank you that you didn't just come, teach some things and disappear, but you gave us your word through the apostles to speak to us and to teach us about your character, your will, your desires, and what is right and proper for Christians to do now that they know you. And Father, we ask that you would encourage us in your Holy Spirit, that you'd speak to us, that you would teach us, that you would admonish us, that you would encourage us, that you'd open up our eyes of faith to believe you for more, that we would not think small of you, God, but that we would remember how great and mighty and powerful you are. In Jesus' awesome name, amen. Don't you guys love the Bible? You see, Peter had a core message in chapter 2, and it was to keep on growing, to not stop, but keep on growing in our faith. And here's the interesting thing. This was shortly before he died. We read it. He says that he knows the putting off of his body was coming soon. That's a, a clever way of saying they're going to kill me soon. This is his farewell letter to the churches that he spent decades with nurturing in Turkey, modern-day Turkey. He poured his life out for them and literally ended up losing his life for the cause of the gospel. 
And I don't know about you, but if you have ever contemplated your death, don't worry, this is an encouraging message. But we, we kind of want to think about what would I say? What would I say to my kids? And that's what Peter was doing here. He's like, what is something I want to remind you of and make sure you have written down in front of you so you can remember when I'm gone? Tell, speaking to his spiritual kids. And so we need to kind of, when we look at this letter, think of it from that standpoint that this is Peter's final words to people he loved deeply and dearly. And we need to take them seriously. Now he goes into here and he's saying, you have an inheritance. You have access to the very thing, the very character and nature of God, his divine nature. We have access to that. We have an inheritance. You see, this isn't just a new message in the New Testament. In the Old Testament as well, we see from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 20, it says this, But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace of Egypt to be a people of his own inheritance as you are to this day. And I don't know if you guys remember this guy named Abraham. We read about him like almost a year ago. You remember this guy? So Abraham as well. God calls him out of, out of his homeland and says, come with me, I'll take you to a place I'll show you, which I don't know, I never follow people who say stuff like that to me. But Abraham, not even having the Bible or a scroll or any prophecies or anything, decided that this God was trustworthy enough to follow him. And when he challenges God and says, but what about the promise of my son that you said you're going to give me? And God says, hey, think a little bit bigger. This isn't about that son. I am your shield, and I am your great reward. You follow what I'm saying? God has always wanted us to inherit something from him. And it isn't things. It isn't money. It isn't houses. It's something else. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, In him, Christ, we have obtained an inheritance having predestined according to, been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And I'm going to sneak an extra scripture in here just because I can. It's not on the screens. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. And he continues on, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though refined in a furnace, it perishes, but your faith may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Friends, you have an inheritance you have an inheritance. What is that inheritance? It is access to the everything of God. It is access to the very character and nature of God himself. Do you ever have those days where you're like, man, why do I keep acting like that? Or why do I keep doing this? Anybody? Wives, you can raise your hands for your husbands if you want, you know? 
You, I have those days. And you're like, but you're a pastor. Yeah, guess what? I'm also a human being. We have those days where we want to be transformed. And I'll tell you this. You cannot be transformed by human effort. And you say, but Mark, Peter says, make every effort. Yes, he does. But he's not talking about human effort. You see, there's a priority in the Christian life that goes like this. Abide in relationship with God. Bear fruit. John 15. Jesus is not a liar. He speaks the truth. He says, abide in me and you'll bear fruit. You don't abide in me, you can't bear fruit. Abide fruit. Abide fruit. However, I find myself, this year in particularly, I have found myself working really hard to bear fruit. And I have been convicted as I'm reading this passage. I'm like, man, I feel like I feel like I have access to all this amazing thing, this amazing things from God. And I've been just really concerned about fruit this year. And God's reminding me there's a better way. There's a better place to be. And it's in the place of relationship because then your life will bear the fruit that God wants and desires. And in fact, I would say if God was going to choose between the two, from what I see biblically, he wants your abiding more than he wants your fruitfulness. But we see throughout the Bible, he doesn't just celebrate relationship. He also celebrates fruitfulness. It's both. But to live a prioritized life, we need to prioritize the relationship with God and then let the fruitfulness come out. God's going to ask you to do some crazy stuff sometimes regarding bearing fruit. He's going to ask you to take risks with him. Why? Because he wants you to trust him. And the fruit that comes off your life through that risk is going to bring praise and honor and glory to his name. That's a fact because you're exercising your faith in him. By what you do, you say, I believe who you are. I believe what you say. It's one thing to say you believe something about God, but then if you walk around and you don't ever obey him or do what he says, then that's proof right there that you don't believe God or trust him. Do you follow what I'm saying? But you see, Peter's, Peter's admonishing us to keep on growing and keep on moving, and he gives us some, uh, some qualities. But before we get into them, I just want to remind you, these qualities are not yours. You don't possess them. They belong to the character and nature of God. You have access to them through the Holy Spirit. Christ has given us access. You have unlimited access. Say it with me now, unlimited. There is no limit to your access. God's not just going to shut you off and be like, yo, you're a power user on the Holy Spirit side of things. Taking a, you just, you know, you got to calm down. Whatever you're hungry for from God, he is willing to supply. I want to raise your faith level here. Whatever you are hungry for from God, he is willing to supply. His supply house is not half full or kind of empty or a little bit dusty. His supply house is full and he wants to supply you. And I'm not talking about physical goods. I'm talking about the ability to literally walk around shining like the light of the sun with the presence of Christ coming off of you. You have access to the very character, nature, and presence of God. And that is what Peter's talking about when he says, add to your faith. Supplement your faith. Now, if the Haggerty's in the house, I love talking with Mr. Haggerty because he's like, you're Mr. Liberty because you're always preaching about freedom and Jesus and 
Salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. But no one's going to do the work for you to become like Christ. It's a miraculous work, but it's not an effortless work. James says it. He's like, you got faith? No works? Your faith is dead. What does God want from you? A living, active faith. But no one can do that for you. There are qualities that we can add to and supplement our faith, but no one's going to do it for you. Pastor Jason's not going to do it for you. I'm not going to do it for you. Your wife isn't going to do it for you. Your, your small group's not going to do it for you. Coming to church on Sunday's not going to do it for you. You have to engage in the trusting relationship with God and say, I'm going to lean into this because you say if I lean into this that I have access to it and then I can receive this. So I'm going to, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to ask. These qualities aren't ours. They don't, let's put it this way, they don't originate from us, but they actually do belong to us through our inheritance. You follow what I'm saying today? There's more. When we were in worship, I was just feeling, man, there's this, uh, there's this hunger for God in this room. A hunger. Do you guys feel that? Do you feel God like encouraging your spirit to be like, I'm faithful, I'm faithful, I'm faithful, I'm faithful, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I hear you. Do you feel that? I felt that. And God is inviting us into this place to relate directly to him. To receive from his storehouse, from his divine nature, qualities that we lack but that we have a right to have. Not because of us, but because of the work of Christ. Peter says, make every effort to supplement your faith. I was like, I don't like that effort word very much. But here's the cool thing. The word effort means to do it expediently. Do it fast. Get after it. Don't dilly-dally. And the word supplement means to furnish. Now, how many HGTV watchers do I have in here? How many husbands have been tortured by putting together Ikea furniture in here? God bless you. There's a support group for that. <laughs> the word here means furnish, like to put furniture in a house. So if you want to take the metaphor and think of it as this, that your salvation is like the house, man, you didn't do anything to put that together. But now God's got his moving truck out front with a whole bunch of furniture in it. And guess what? You don't have to fiddle with the instructions and those little things that hurt your fingers trying to like put the Ikea furniture together. No offense to any Ikea workers in here. I'm just saying that's frustrating. You just need to say, all right, God, I want it. And he's like, you can have it. Bring it in. Put the furniture in the house. Put in the house what the house was designed to hold. You feel what I'm saying? Put in the house what the house was designed to hold. Now, God gave us these qualities not so that we could just be like, wow, that's pretty cool. Houses and furniture are for living in and being with and eating on and sitting on and yes, sometimes putting your feet up on. They're for hosting people bringing others into the presence of God. Am I taking the metaphor too far? Are you following me on this? Some of us are living inside of empty houses and they echo and all you hear is your own voice 
God wants you to furnish that house. Not with, your, not with furniture you have to figure out, but with what is already yours that he has supplied. No one can do this for you. This is a work between you and the Holy Spirit. You can go to church all your life and still have an empty house. You can go to all the classes, all the Bible studies, get up in the morning, go to the prayer things, be in an accountability group, do all the things. You can have an empty house. Some of us, we live in an empty house, but we have a storage unit or two or five full of furniture. Bring it into your house. I really think that God is calling us to go get those things and bring them into our house. And that means some of us are going to have to move some stuff out that doesn't belong there as well. That's the other side of it. In the absence of what should be there, things can get there that shouldn't be there. Y'all know what I'm talking about because we all have kitchen counters, right? God is inviting us to bring his furniture into our house. So we're not living in an echo chamber or in a pile of rubbish, but living in a house filled with his divine nature. We are the house of God. Do you realize that? This church is, this building is not the church and it's not God's house. We are being built together as God's house. God's spirit dwells in us. But let's not stop there, but listen to what Peter is saying to furnish our faith with the character and nature of God. See, here's the thing. When we start to get a hold of the character and nature of God in our lives, and those things start to bear fruit in our lives, we start to be able to bear a fruit that God is actually looking for. But before you get too far down that track, I want to remind you the number one thing God wants from you is you. Take your hands and just go like this in front of you. Yes, you too. I see you over there. What do you have in your hand? Nothing. But that's okay. That's us spiritually all the time. You know what God wants from you? You. He wants you directly with no mediator in between, you and Jesus. Because now Jesus is our mediator. So what about these seven qualities? You may be thinking, well, we're almost out of time. How are you going to get through seven things? I don't know. He brings up these seven virtues, which are these, and I'm just going to kind of hit them quick and give you a little bit of context on each one. Virtue. He says we have access to virtue, which another word for that in the Greek is purity, that we have access to the purity of God in our lives. Do you have habits in your life or patterns of thinking that defile you? You have access to purity. That should bring hope. Again, this is not a work of your flesh. This is a work of the spirit in you to transform you and make you pure by the good, loving kindness of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we have 
the quality of knowledge. This word knowledge means to be deeply acquainted with the truth. Do you ever feel like you just can't know God well enough? Well, you actually have a right in your inheritance in Christ to know him deeply and to know the truth deeply. It is, it's yours. So now you can ask for it and receive it as an act of faith. Thirdly, we have self-control, which obviously is to have a strong no muscle, to say no to the things that are against what God would have you to be doing. And those can be, that can be saying no to good things. That's part of what I feel like got me tangled up this year is I kept saying yes to things that were good things, but then I was so busy, I couldn't keep my first priority in check, which was to simply abide and just know that I'm loved. Before I've done anything, I'm loved, period. And I believe God wants that for you as well. The strength to say no when you need to. Fourthly, we have steadfastness. And this is the ability to stand under pressure and under suffering. Like I said earlier, life is not all rainbows and sunshine. But it brings so much glory to God when one is able to stand firm in the midst of what God is allowing in your life. And that is a character quality that is available to you from the nature and character of God. Fifth is godliness. And this isn't so much that you're being like God himself as much as you are displaying the characteristics of God from the, from the side of being loving and holy, set apart. Sixth, we have brotherly affection. And brotherly affection really has to do with caring for others as you would want someone to care for you. You know, when was the last time you looked at someone in your, in your sphere of influence and you just, you just said, hey, I'm really, really proud of you. Or like, I'm just so proud of what God's doing in your life. Or just sharing that, that loving affection with them to say, I really love and appreciate you and who you are in my life. That's one of the things that I think that, that God in Christ has done for us. And we, in turn, get to do that for others. I have some friends who are Australian and a few here who are from New Zealand, and they're always telling each other how much they love each other and how much they appreciate what each other do. They're always bragging on each other all the time. And it's something that I learned from them. There are a couple of my, my buddies in missions and just how much they freely express their love and affection toward one another and how much pride they had in their pursuit of Jesus. And I don't know if you realize how encouraging that is for someone to hear from you. But let those words come out of your mouth. And finally, brotherly affection leads to love. Now, love is not a soup. We're not going to make it overly complicated, but it's, it's looking for the highest and best for others, even above your own interests. It's prioritizing other people. That means even prioritizing other people's desire to pursue Jesus. How can you help them draw more near to Christ? What can you do? Do you need to meet with someone on a weekly basis? Do you need to step up and lead a small group? Do you need to take someone under your wing who just needs to learn how to stabilize in their faith a little bit? Do you need to take someone through an introductory study of the Gospels because they're fresh in Jesus and they don't know what it's like to walk with God for 30 years, but you do. You know what I mean? 
How, what can you do? Maybe it's even just providing a meal for someone you know who's in need without them even having to ask you. Or just a card to say, hey, I see you and I love you, you know? There's little things we can do that can be loving and caring for others. Now, here's the fun thing. Back at the beginning of the scripture we read earlier, it says this, that he has granted to us all, thing that, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, this word life means a dynamic, growing, and changing life. It's not just the life you live, but it's a life that's being daily transformed by the power of God every day. But you can't do this alone. You need people around you. But those people who are around you aren't going to do the work for you. You're the one who has to put in the work. That's what Peter's saying. Make every effort to obtain this inheritance. Now, I don't know why humans have this tendency to do this, but we look for a mediator. We look for someone else to be spiritual on our behalf so that we can then kind of ride on that momentum. Anybody ever been there? I have. I've seen it in teams. I've seen it in families. I've seen it in our church. I've seen it in my own life where I tend to forget the primary thing of abiding in my own relationship with God. And instead, I look to others to be that momentum maker for me. So that can look like coming to church and that's where you get spiritually filled up. <sighs> and then you go kind of dump it out on the ground and spend it during the week. And then you come back and you, <gasps> you get filled up again by the pastor or your friends or whatever. But I believe that God wants, to, wants you to know that he wants to meet with you directly without an intermediary in between. He wants you to encounter him every day. I don't know what that looks like for you, but he wants, he's inviting you into that place to obtain your inheritance from him. I don't know about you, but when I'm doing business deals, I don't like having a middleman in there. Why? Because they mark things up so they can make a little money off of you. Cut the middleman. Cut the middleman in your spirituality. I'm not saying remove yourself from relationship, but Peter opens up his second letter saying, you who are in equal standing with us, you all, we're not more spiritual than you. You are of equal standing with us. You are kings and priests before the Lord as well. You can hear from him directly. And see, that was God's original intent from the very beginning. If we look at Eden, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And when they heard the sound of the Lord coming after they had sinned, they hid themselves because he was coming in for his daily chat and his hangout and his, his cup of tea or something. Throughout the Old Testament, we see that God praised people who walked with him. Right? Jesus himself came to dwell with us, John 1:14, And the word, Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. And guess what? Fast forward to the end of the story. Oh, spoiler alert. Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. 
There are no shortcuts to obtaining this inheritance of these qualities that are yours in Christ Jesus. The door has been opened. Permission has been granted. Your passport has been stamped. You can go in and obtain these things and fill your house with the character and nature of God. But what I felt to warn you is this. It can be easy to simply look to others to do that work for you. And I think God's calling each of you, from the youngest to the oldest, let us fire up our pursuit of God. Let us fire up our pursuit of God. He wants to meet with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to teach you. He wants to shore up areas of your life. He wants to encourage you where you are discouraged. He wants to erase anxiety and depression and fear and replace it with the peace of Christ that surpasses, surpasses all understanding. It is beyond figuring out why you can feel the peace that he can provide. He wants to do that for each and every one of you in this room for those of you who are watching online, he wants to do it for you, but you need to position yourself in faith and say, all right, I'm ready. Give it to me. Give it to me. I want it. God wants to stir up our hunger, church. He wants to stir up your hunger to pursue him. And I, a friend of mine once said, what's weird about natural hunger is when you're hungry and you eat, you're satisfied and you don't feel hungry anymore. But in the spiritual walk, you get a little hungry and you get, you get a taste of God. And instead of being like, ah, that's good enough, you actually get more hungry. It's like pushing a flywheel that as you push it, it gains momentum and it gains momentum and it gains momentum. And that is what God wants from you. Many years ago when I was first leading teams, I had a guy who spent two months standing in the back of worship just like this. You see, his father had recently died. And he was really brokenhearted about it, as you can imagine. And so he just stood far off because he said, I just don't feel God's presence. I feel far away. And I was kind of dumbfounded. But towards the end of this guy's journey, I was like, I felt like the Lord told me, I think you should take a step. Go worship anyway. And it was so funny because like 20 minutes later, I see him just weeping because he didn't encounter the presence of God again which was always there. He just needed to step in, in faith saying, I know that you're good, even though this has been disappointing, even though this has been hard, this is good. So what is the point of what I'm saying to you today? The point is this, there's work to be done. You have an inheritance that belongs to you are you going to put in the work to obtain it? It belongs to you. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say, oh, well, that's for the spiritual people. No. Everyone has access. That is the justice of God. He doesn't disqualify anyone who calls on him, but he gives them access through his son, Jesus. Are you going to do the work? And I'll tell you this. We mentioned prioritizing abiding and relationship over the fruit? Really, if you boil it down, Jesus is just saying, follow me. Follow me. We see when he called his disciples, he just said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they followed him, and he did way more than what they expected in ways they never could have imagined. 
And the same call is for us today. Follow me. And God isn't calling you to follow someone who follows him. That, that YouTube channel you, you watch, man, that's fine, but that's not Jesus for you. That book that you're, you're buried in, that's not Jesus for you. That's not where your hope is found. And Jesus himself, he's your inheritance. He is our inheritance, guys. And so in closing, I just want you to hear the words of the Lord saying, follow me and learn from me, for I'm gentle in heart. Jesus wants us to follow him together in community, but without an intermediary, because just like the Israelites rejected God in the mountain in the, in the desert at Harob, they said, this is too scary for us. Moses, you go instead of us. They put an intermediary in between them and God, when God all along has wanted to relate directly to his people. And now you have access to the everything of God and you have access to relate directly to him every day. And he's waiting for us. So will you follow him? Will you be a follower of Jesus? An unashamed follower of Jesus who's willing to speak when they're told to speak, who's willing to serve when the opportunity arises to serve? Are you willing to be a follower who is willing to move out the stuff that doesn't belong in your house so that the, the quality furniture of God can move in? Are you willing to be that kind of follower to just say yes to Jesus every day? If you look around in your life and you see people who are what you would consider super mature in Christ, don't compare yourself to them. Just know they've lived longer and have more days saying yes to Jesus than you have so far. Our goal is to say yes to being a follower. That's the invitation today. It's not to just try to be a better Christian. It's to let, do, let Jesus do the work he has the desire to do. Would you guys stand with me? And I don't know where you're at today. But the invitation to follow Jesus is open to everyone. And if you want to just tell the Lord today that you want to prioritize relationship with him over just trying to do good things for him, which is, that's awesome heart. But he wants you. If you want to say yes to that, to just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be a person of priority who prioritizes relationship with you. Would you just slip your hand up real quick? Don't worry about who's looking around. If you want to go deeper in that place and just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Well, God, you see these hands raised, mine included. Take us deeper. Stir up our hunger, God. We reject the passivity that's plagued us in the past. And we say yes to you, Jesus. Do whatever it is that you want to do, God, because we love you and we know that you love us and you have good in store for us, God. So teach us to not just try to be better people, but to press into you and receive what rightfully belongs to us as our inheritance, which is you. 
your very character and nature. To be able to be partakers of that is such an honor, God. So take us now, take us deeper. I pray that you'd be speaking to each one of us, God, about how you want to spend time with us, how you want us to walk with you, what we need to move out of the way to make room for what you're going to bring in. We just say we love you so much, Jesus. I thank you, God, for this community. I thank you for what you're growing here. I thank you that you're growing something deep, that you're growing something meaningful, that you're growing something in this community that is going to bring honor and glory to your name. Keep doing what you want to do, Jesus, and help us to not get in the way. We relinquish control in the name, the powerful name of Jesus that's above every name. And everybody said, amen.